What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. Eight shows a week. Not really daily. We do many, we do multiple shows. We have our, uh, of course, Sunday night recap show that is live. You can check that out in your feed. We will, uh, we will have a recap of Monday night football that's up tomorrow morning on Tuesday morning. And we also, if you go to cbsports.com slash YouTube, oh no, wait, youtube.com slash CBS Sports, excuse me. Um, I don't know what is at the first site, but youtube.com slash CBS Sports. You can watch our uh, week 14 look ahead lines exclude. It's a, it's a uh, video exclusive on YouTube. So go check that out. And, um, this is our Monday night preview show with Jared Dubin. We have Jason Lock and We're going to talk worst losses, best wins, AFC playoff picture. Um, after the break, if you like the show, love the show, kind of like the show, go, uh, leave a five star review or rating. Rating you can do like really easy. You just bring up your app, swipe down, hit the five star. It'll say submitted. Thank you. Um, and if you love it and you want to do some kind of funny review or just a, you know, enthusiastic review, whatever it is, uh, you can go and write that as well. All are appreciated. Makes our bosses think we're doing something good. In the meantime, let's talk about an awesome Monday night game. What with kind of huge playoff implications, frankly, because it, uh, it involves both the Vikings and the, the Seahawks, two wildcard teams that are trying to make a push in their respective divisions. Let's bring on, I mean, Jared Dubin. What's up, Dubes? Hey, man, I have a question for you. Do okay. you want to win the NFC East? Because if you do, <laughs> you might be able to win it. All you have to do is sign right here. Um, yeah, the NFC East is a uh, is a problem. Um, it, it's a little tough too because you know you're a Cowboys fan. Uh, you had to watch the Cowboys get undressed by the Bills on Thanksgiving. Let me ask you this. We have, uh, Debo, our producer on, on the, on, on the line. Um, he's an Eagles fan. He was at the, uh, the Dolphins Eagles game. Which game, which game would be worse to be at? The Cowboys hosting the Bills or the Eagles gagging away a big lead to the Dolphins? Um, I would say probably the Eagles just because the Cowboys happened first. And it looked like the Eagles had a chance to, you know, work their way back into uh, a tie atop the division lead. And then they came out and lost to a team that everybody thought was tanking. But I think that, that it's smart of them. They are um, they're doing a sneaky tank job to ensure that the Cowboys make the playoffs. And I think that it's far more beneficial for the Eagles if Jason Garrett keeps his job than it is if they make the playoffs and lose to one of the teams that's playing on Monday night in the first round. So I'm about to fire up. Well, I'm not going to do it right now. I'll, I'll probably do it after the um, after we get done with this. But I am curious what the situation would be. And I think it's a very I, I think it's maybe more alive than people are sort of thinking. But what the situation would be for the uh, for the Redskins to win the division? Yeah, I mean they have to win out. And then the Cowboys and Eagles both have to lose out, with the exception of the one game they play against each other. Is that is that is it that simple? <laughs> uh, I think so, because then they'd all wind up at seven and nine, um, and there would be like a common opponents or something. I don't know. All of that is pretty unlikely because I think the Giants are at the Eagles on Monday Night Football. That is a game that the Eagles. Yeah, should... the Eagles play the Giants twice, and yeah. Washington once, and the Cowboys once. I mean, I'm dead serious here. If um, if the Eagles lose out. And that involves two losses to the Giants. I mean, like you have to sort of evaluate Doug, I mean, Doug Peterson's future, right, Diva? No, no. They're still in the grace period. I mean, it's the honeymoon you look at that team. How many injuries have they had this season? They haven't had their offense all season. They lost 
the the biggest part of their team was their depth along the defensive line, and it has been destroyed by injuries. Mm. Um, I'm now I'm now like running through these scenarios. Oh God, I love this idea. This is beautiful. Let's get a six and ten. A six, can we get a six and ten? A six and ten division winner? I don't think so because the Cowboys and Eagles play each other. Um, I think no, that can happen. It can happen. Or yeah, I guess if the Cowboys lose out, the Eagles only win that one game. Yep. Um, and Washington does not get to seven wins. All right, uh, let's, let's, which is possible. Uh, this is a rabbit hole that we could uh, end up going deep into. Um, yeah, if all three teams are six and ten, I believe the uh, the uh, the the Cowboys would win the tiebreaker. So unfortunate for for the Washington Redskins there. But Redskins Redskins could get in seven and nine. Um, Vikings uh, Seahawks. This is then. This is like yeah, the, the, the NFC. Whichever team wins is probably going to get to play the. Uh, the NFC East winner in the first round of the playoffs, uh, un- unless the Seahawks get themselves a bye or they, unless they pass the Niners and Packers respectively, well, the winner of this game has a leg up on the race to, uh, to play the NFC East winner in the first round of the playoffs. That's why I, I brought it up earlier. That's a great point. That's a really great point. Good segue. Great point. Um, first of all, if the Seahawks win this game, they would be the second seed because they have the tiebreaker over the 49ers currently. They have right. Play- you know, again, in, in, they have to play them again in, in Seattle. But, um, yeah, like the, you want badly to be the, the, the sixth seed here or the fifth seed. No. You, yeah. You want the fifth seed because you were going to play the fourth seed, whether it's the Cowboys or the Eagles. You're going to go to Philly. You're going to go to, you're going to go to Dallas, but you're probably going to be favored as a, as a wild card team going into one of those spots to be able to play a, a what is just, you know, the, the winner of a, a very, very bad division. Um, when you look at this matchup, you know, how do you reconcile primetime Kirk Cousins versus primetime Russell Wilson? Because one of those is better than the other. Yeah, uh, although Kirk Cousins hasn't been bad in primetime this year. Um, the last time we had them in a primetime game, he uh, played pretty well against the Cowboys. Um, and he's been balling since, you know. Like, remember back in week four when we were like, oh, my God, Kirk Cousins is going to undermine this Viking season? Like, since then, his – Passer rating is 126.5, and uh, that is by far the best in the NFL during that time. Ryan Tannehill, incredibly, is second at 113.9. Uh, so Kirk Cousins is lighting the world on fire recently. Mm. Do you trust him going into Seattle in primetime? Not particularly, um, but that could just be my opposite of recency bias in effect, I guess. Like I, I happen to think that Cousins – is more likely the player he was for the balance of his career than the player he's been for the last seven games. Uh, the Seahawks defense is playing better in recent weeks. It would have been incredibly easy to throw on them through the early part of the year, but their, uh, their defensive backfield is rounding into shape. Their pass rush is rounding into shape. They've been much better over their last three, four games or so. And, uh, I mean, the Vikings don't have Adam Thielen for this game. Mm-hmm. Granted that, you know, Cousins has been without Thielen essentially since week six. Um, he played, I think, you know, 12 snaps in one game and like 20 snaps in another. But other than that, he's been out. He's not going to be there for this game either. So they're looking at, you know, Ola B.C. Johnson and Laquan Treadwell as their number two and three receivers. But they've been going into their two tight end set more often with Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith Jr. But that somewhat plays into the Seahawks defense hands because they like to stay in their base defense 
more often than bringing in their nickel or dime package. That's true even when you spread the field with three and four receivers. But if you go into two tight ends or even three tight ends, that's kind of where the Seahawks defense wants to be. Mm. Um, Linville Joseph also listed as questionable, I believe, with a knee, Harrison Smith hamstring, Anthony Harris groin, Shamar Steven knee. All those guys are questionable. Thielen, as we mentioned, is out. Uh, it sounds like Javon Clowney, Jerron Reed, all going to be game time decisions. Um, what's the biggest injury out of those guys, not counting Thielen? I mean, if Clowney doesn't play, that's pretty huge. He's been playing really well lately. Um, I, I didn't see the most recent report on whether or not he's expected to play, but that's obviously huge for their pass rush if they don't have him. Yeah, for sure. He's there. He's, he's playing for a contract and this is the stretch run. Um, what do the Vikings do differently with no Thielen out there? I mean, they go into more 12 personnel, like I said earlier. Um, Kyle Rudolph has played pretty well uh, recently. Irv Smith, they use him in the slot a bunch, which is an interesting look because, you know, the tight end that's, you know, got that kind of athleticism is usually going to be able to win against a linebacker or a safety. But you look at the Seahawks, their linebackers and safeties are, you know, the better coverage guys on the team. Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, Bradley McDougald, like, you don't want to throw against them when you can throw against, you know, Trey Flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is that is accurate. What about uh what about with Dalvin Cook? You think he has yeah. a they've been using him more in the passing game, it feels like. I don't know if that's a result of who yeah, the, he's essentially their number two receiver with Thielen out. Yeah. And it, it it also feels like teams have really keyed in on Cook in the running game a little bit more, and so to counteract that, like he's been putting up his his he is now Nick Chubb leads the league in, in rushing. Um but but like Cook's production uh, is still very high. He's at 133.8 scrimmage yards per game, which is second in the NFL. Um, you know, he's obviously coming off his bye, so he's like, I think he's 170 yards back or thereabouts. Yeah, like 168 yards back of, uh, of Nick Chubb in terms of rushing yards, which is kind of, kind of surprising that he's that far back, but I think it's partially, part and parcel because he's been used as a receiver more and more, right? Yeah, I mean, He's a really good receiver, so it, it helps certainly in that sense. And Cousins has done a pretty good job of getting him into open space. And obviously he's a ridiculously high-level athlete, so he's going to be more athletic in the open field for the most part than whatever linebacker or safety is assigned to track him. But, you know, like I mentioned, the Seahawks, linebackers, and safeties, they're good in coverage. I mean, they're seventh in DVOA against running backs in the passing game so far this year. Um Obviously, not everybody that they're facing is Dalvin Cook, but they've done a pretty good job against that position. The way you've pretty much wanted to target them is by targeting the outside receivers, uh, primarily against Trey Flowers, but also at times against Shaq Griffin. Yeah. So, uh, so if you're the um, if you're the Vikings, then are you coming to this game? Because I mean, like it's it's the yin, it's the give and take of the Minnesota Vikings, right? Mike Zimmer wants to run the ball a ton, play a bunch of defense. Not interested in scoring a ton of. I mean, he's fine scoring points, but like he doesn't. You know, he he wants. You know what I mean? He wants, he wants, uh, he wants to run. and establish the run team. Yeah. But, but like Kevin Stefanski has been very good about utilizing play action. Mm-hmm. Do you think they come out and try to go play action and, and get Stefan Diggs open early and really get the Seahawks kind of rocked back on their feet? And I think like this has the potential to be a very high scoring game personally. Yeah. I think it could be pretty high scoring too. Um, I mean, they're going to go play action. Like they've been, you know, the second, I, I believe the second most play action heavy team 
uh, in the league since Cousins has been on that run, and he's just destroying teams in play action. I've got the numbers here. He's 55 of 78, or sorry, 55 of 77 for 864 yards, 11 touchdowns, and no picks on play action passes over the past seven games. Um, and again, almost all of that is without feeling, you know, and for me, I think that obviously getting that play action game working and we've heard, if you've been watching NBC broadcast recently, we've heard Chris Collinsworth during the Sunday night games talking about how you don't need to actually run the ball at all or well to get play action working. This has been shown by several studies in the past and that's still true this year. You can come out and run play action early on. You can come out and run play action. If you're averaging one yard per carry, you can come out and run play action if you don't run the ball at all. And it's more likely than not going to be a better pass than straight dropping back. Um, so I, and I think this, the, the Vikings have been pretty committed to it, um, in, in recent weeks and I don't expect that to change. The thing for me is because the Seahawks play sides with their cornerbacks, I would just try to get Stephon Diggs lined up on the left side of the field more often than the right, letting him work against Flowers rather than Griffin and just say, you know, all right, BC Johnson or all right, Laquan Treadwell, you can try to work on Griffin and we'll get Diggs the better matchup. Mm, okay. Uh, what about when the Seahawks have the ball? Because Lamar Jackson sort of stole, you know, that Monday night performance against the Rams. I think he, you know, even though it's, it's just, it's just, you know, front of mind, right? Everybody's looking at Lamar. He's the most exciting player in football. I mean, do you think there's still a case that Russell is valuable than Lamar, just in terms of what he's having to overcome and who he's playing with, sort of what he's surrounded with? Um, and do you think that Russ, with a big game against the Vikings, and potentially stealing the one or two seed in the uh, in the NFC, could he get himself back in the, in the MVP race or is it over? I, I think he's definitely still in the race. Um, first of all, there's you know four and five games left for each team and they've been just about as good as each other throughout the season. Um, I would say that there is an argument that he's more valuable based on the fact that he is for the most part overcoming his coaching and supporting cast while Jackson is being put in about as good a position to succeed as possible. But I don't think you can hold that against Jackson. Like just because he has better coaching, that means he's not as valuable. Like it's not his fault that his coaches are good and Wilson's, you know, try to hold him back in, in more games than they, than they, you know, let him cook. Um, I don't know that you can necessarily hold that against Lamar. I think it's a bit of a feather in Wilson's cap that he's able to overcome what has been more often than not play calling that is, uh, suboptimal, I would say, <laughs> and, and, and roster construction that in some ways is suboptimal. Whereas, um, the, the Ravens have really, tried to maximize in, in every way they can the Lamar Jackson experience. And uh, if you want to read more about that, I'll have something on that on, on Wednesday when I write about Lamar and uh, and Mark Andrews for the, the quarterback pass catcher series that I've been doing and that I wrote about Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett last week. Lovely. It sounds like a, I, I, can't, I, I look forward to reading it. Um, the uh, Do you expect a better – production from Josh Gordon, Tyler Lockett, like these guys if you know, Gordon didn't have a huge game in his second game back against the Eagles. Bad weather, it's tough to throw in there, wasn't a ton of scoring. Uh, Lockett's been, you know, he had one long completion in that game. Um, and, and also additionally, how do you look at the running back situation here for Seattle? Is this a Rashad Penny breakout stretch run or is this uh, just purely, you know, a one game aberration? They're going to go back to Chris Carson. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, with the receivers, I would expect that it'll still be Lockett, 
and Metcalf as the one and two with Gordon working in sort of not necessarily behind them, but situationally uh, Metcalf has played 87% of the snaps or more in each of the last four games. And he was only uh, at 87% or more in one of the first seven. So he's essentially a full-time player at this point. And obviously Lockett is a full-time player too. Um, you know, they do go two tight ends on occasion. Um, so I would imagine that, that Gordon's going to be the guy that rotates in with whoever that second tight end is, whether it's Luke Wilson, if he plays, or uh, maybe they decide to use Wilson as more of a blocker ahead of Hollister, who's the pass catching guy, it seems like at this point. Uh, but I wouldn't imagine that Gordon's going to suddenly overtake either Lockett or Metcalf. They obviously have significantly more investment in uh in Lockett and Metcalf what with the you know extension and the second round pick than they do in Gordon who's essentially on the team for just this season but that doesn't mean they can't find ways to get him involved um you know Lockett has start or sorry Metcalf has started lining up more often on the right side in addition to the left like early in the season he was lining up on the left side of the field like 80 90 percent of the time now he's you know more lining up all over the place and uh he's still not the the most versatile route runner you'll see in the league but you know his size strength length like he's got a ridiculous catch radius it's extremely hard to beat him to the ball in a contested catch situation just because of how big he is and how strong he is and uh it looks like wilson trusts him a bunch um and then lockett i mean they don't need much to to beat you over the top with a deep ball uh i wrote about this again last week i mean it's pretty ridiculous given that he's like 5'11 and 185 pounds, but Lockett is like the best receiver in the league at using his body to shield a defender on the deep ball. It's insane. Like go, go watch some of the clips that I have in that article, which you could see if you, if you read our preview, I, I link to it, or if you just, you know, Google Jared Dubin, Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, it'll probably come up. <laughs> I mean, some of these plays are just insane. He's ridiculous at tracking the ball over his shoulder he gets his hands up he pins it to his chest and he doesn't let the defender get to it those guys are both the two of them really really good um and Lockett is just so efficient in terms of being able to catch the ball on high volume he's got an uh 80.8 catch rate which is third best among 31 players with 75 plus targets um and then his touchdown rate of 7.7 percent of his catches have turned into touchdowns Sixth best among that same group of players. So even though he doesn't have, you know, 10 touchdowns on 70 targets like he did last year, he's still really, really good at turning his targets into scores. And then, uh, you know, I, I would have thought that, uh, that the Seahawks might be benching Chris Carson because he can't stop fumbling. Like he might have fumbled again while we were on this call. But I mean, Brian Schottenheimer came out, I think on Friday and said that they're going to use the same running back rotation, but you know, who knows? Like they usually are pretty forthcoming with that, but it wasn't that long ago that he literally got benched for most of the most of the second half and all of the fourth quarter because he fumbled on one play and then on the next play he was so in his head that he just forgot to take the handoff and caused Russell Wilson to fumble. So I don't know. I mean, Carson is the better player to me. Like he's a a tackle breaking machine, but. You know, Penny broke a big run last week, and now that he had that, whatever it was, 58-yard run last week, he's up to 5.9 yards per carry on the season. Mm -hmm. But you look at those runs, I mean, he's got 
a 58-yard run and a 37-yard run, and on his 48 other carries, he has 201 yards. So it's not like he's been all that effective for most of the year. Carson's been better. He's a better tackle breaker. He's a better runner. He's a better pass protector, but he can't stop fumbling the ball. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, what would you do if – see. I'm trying to look at the odds for, uh, for Chris Carson here and for – uh, Rashad Penny, Chris Carson rushing yards over under 69 and a half. I would take the under on that. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty high, and you would think that they'll probably get Penny in there more often. But, I mean, you look at Carson also before last week, he was really on a roll for a few weeks there. He had been I'm getting, just, you know. I'm not saying I would take it as, like, I think that Chris Carson stinks and won't play well. Um I just think that if he if his role is minimized, mm-hmm. that's a pretty high number. Oh yeah, and I mean, but you know, you look at the previous seven games, he had hit what was it, sixty nine and a half. He'd cleared that by twenty yards in six of the previous seven games, He's averaging ninety nine point three yards per game. So yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like he was doing it against bad run defenses either. You know, he did it against the Rams. He did it against the Bucks, who at that time were the number one run defense in the league. He did it against the Niners. Um, you know, he he didn't run well last week, obviously, against the Eagles, and he had the fumble issues, and he played his lowest snap rate of the league, only 51%, or sorry, second lowest snap rate of the season, 51%. Uh, the previous time was uh, against the the, uh, the Saints when he fumbled twice in that game also. So right. maybe it's just games where he fumbles twice that he gets benched, and otherwise he's the number one guy. That's kind of what it seems like. And he has bounced back pretty well from some of those fumbling. Like he's like he knows that he's going to get benched. Rashad Penny, twenty six and a half rushing yards on Fanduel. Would you rather bet on Carson, Chris Carson, sixty nine and a half, or uh, Penny, twenty six and a half? Uh, I'd rather bet on Carson. He's just better. And uh, in the games where Penny doesn't break a long run, he's been pretty bad. Um, and against a good run defense, I don't know that you can count on him breaking a long run. Like you look at his games this season. Six carries, 18 yards, 10 carries, 62 yards. That was the game where he broke the, uh, the 35, 37 yard run. Six carries, 18 yards, 855, 412, 22, and then the 14 for 129 last week. I mean, more often than not, he's not doing much of anything. And unless he gets a big chunk of the work, which mostly doesn't happen, he's probably going under. So I think I would rather just bet on the better player and bet on the Seahawks. You know, sticking with him through his fumbling issues, since that's what they've done in the past. And now I'm feeling really stupid about not having played Chris Carson in my fantasy league this week. <laughs> uh, Russell Wilson passing yards, two hundred sixty-seven and a half. Yeah, I'll go over. I mean, this, the the dirty secret of the Vikings' defense this season is that it's way easier to throw on them they've than wrote- run on them. Um, they're 16th in passing DVOA this year. Um, and a lot of that is just, you know, the the interior of their defense doing far better than the outside. And you look at their cornerback, Xavier Rhodes, 124.6 passer rating on throws in his direction this season. That's 154th out of 168 corners and safeties who have played at least 200 uh, snaps and coverage this year. Uh, you compare that to 2018 when he was at 88.4, 2017, 73.2, and 2016, 47 passer rating. I mean, he's just not the same guy. And then Trey Waynes, 126th among those 168 players, 109.5 passer rating. You can throw on those guys on the outside. You certainly can. Uh, Stephon Diggs, 74.5 receiving yards. 
Um, I zig from Russell to Stefan. Just... Yeah, I, I think I would go over there too. I think you can throw um, on the Seahawks on the outside, and when they're throwing, I mean, who else are they going to throw to? It's going to be Diggs and Cook, right? Yeah, it has to be, right? That's what it seems like. That's what it's been since Thielen's been out. Okay. Um, Kirk Cousins, over under 263 passing yards. Two, 263 and a half, excuse me. Um, I guess I should go over there too. Um, yeah, I, I think you can throw on both of these teams. And I mean, I picked a, a decently high score, but now I'm thinking I should have gone even higher. Yeah, I like the over in this game. What, uh, what was the score you picked? Let's just get right to it. Uh, I got 26-24 Seahawks. Ooh, that's a fun game. That's just <laughs> Yeah, I think these two teams are just about as good as each other. Um, and uh, in that case, in a close game, I'll go with the quarterback that I like better. All right. That's uh that's right on the over under. The over under is 49 and a half or 50. I think it's it's, it's moving moving around a little bit. It jumped up to like 50 and a half. Uh, back down to 49 and a half at the Westgate as we record this. And, uh, the, the spread is, uh, Seahawks minus two and a half. So you, you are real tight on that one. Uh, yeah. I think I actually, when I was doing our, our expert picks, I think I actually picked the Vikings, but I'm probably going to change that now. Yeah. Since I took the Seahawks and the, I, I think the Vikings um, are going to find a way to win. Um, I think. You know, it's a reminder. Like Sunday night was a good reminder. It's like, you know, Belichick's not losing to Bill O'Brien. And then you see, you know, uh, then then you see, you know, it's like the narrative doesn't have to continue on in perpetuity. Like a lot of times it does, and the narrative. That's why it's a narrative, right? I mean, that's why it built. But like Kirk Cousins once beat Russell Wilson in in college on a crazy play in a big spot. <laughs> we're we're going back to college now for this. You remember that game I'm talking about? It ruined the. Uh, no, I don't. I. Wisconsin, Mostly only watch Miami when I watch college football. Wisconsin had a chance to go to the national title game, and Kirk Cousins hit a 50-yard Hail Mary bomb to beat uh, for Michigan State to beat uh, Wisconsin in the regular season. And uh, and then I think Russ got him back maybe in the Big Ten title game. I can't remember exactly. But, yeah, I mean, I think you know there's some familiarity here. I think Cousins is going to have a nice game against the Seahawks defense that's good but not great uh, in prime time. I think the Vikings are going to win, and I think they're going to sort of propel themselves forward into a big season. Yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised. They picked a, a two-point game. Um, yeah, I mean, these are both good teams. I would expect that both of them are going to be fighting for home field at this point. Like, they're both pretty close to it. It's, you know, the, Niner, the Niners are 10-2. and two. If the Seahawks win, they're 10-2, and two, and suddenly they have the number two seed. And, you know, if the Vikings win, they're 9-3, and three, and they're a game behind and tied with the Packers atop the NFC North, but behind on the tiebreaker. I mean, it's anybody's game in the – anybody except for the Cowboys and Eagles game in the NFC at this point. So these, these teams are good, man. I like them. All right. It's going to be a fun game. Uh Stick around after the break, and we'll uh, talk to uh, Jason Lockerford about some bad losses. Dude's always fun, buddy. Thanks, man. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. 
Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Back now with, of course, as we do every Monday morning, Jason Lockenfora, CBS Sports NFL Insider. What's up, buddy? Nothing much. Can you hear my dog? No, he's but rest, he's like resting on me. He's, he does this thing where it sounds like he's sleeping, like you would assume, like he's sleeping from the noises he makes. But he's just like, I don't know if he's like meditating or what. My don't dog, um, my dog was uh, snoring on the or, or or off the bed I have up here in the office, which really I should utilize more and just sleep up here. After I podcast at two a.m., I don't know why I even go to my, my bed. Um, but the. Uh, he was like up here just snoring away. And I, I was convinced that everybody on the podcast would be able to hear him. Um, they could not. Hello, copper. Hopefully you don't hear me and don't wake up. And I'll try and avoid the W word. Um, we're going to talk. Yeah, well, word. I don't want him sleeping now. I want him sleeping with me when we're done this. Yeah. You want him sleeping all day. Yeah. <laughs> but he's waiting for his dub, which I don't feel like giving him. I feel like if, taking a nap. Yeah. If I don't. If I don't spin George around the block, uh, he is a raving lunatic all day. Yeah. I get it. You know, wake up. You got to have your constitutional. Go out, check out the neighborhood, see what's going on. Yes, right. sir. Um, so Sunday and I guess the weekend as a whole is really interesting from the perspective of the AFC playoff race. It's, it, the playoff races are not going to be crazy. Like there's not a lot of drama in terms of outside of maybe two spots. Like at least in terms of who's in versus who's out. Um but there's a ton of seeding drama, which I guess yeah, different kind of drama. Like when you look at the when you look at the AFC side of things, so the NFC side is basically locked. I mean, yes, in theory, um, you know, the Bears could finish ten and six, or the Rams could finish eleven. Yeah, I'm not buying that. Yeah, exactly. But even then, I don't know that they're guaranteed to get in because you know, right, you know, the Vikings they're finishing third in their divisions. Yeah, exactly. So the AFC side, it's really just the wild cards at this point. I think maybe there's some there's some division drama in the in the South. Um, yeah, the South. I mean, you can still have a bizarre three way tie in the South. I mean, they they play each other. You know what I mean? Like the Titans and the Texans haven't played yet. So there's still some weird stuff that could shake out. Well, the Colts look. Well, we'll get to the Colts. We're gonna talk bad losses as well. But so yeah, Buffalo and Pittsburgh are the two wild cards right now. Do you do you see that? being the case when uh, when all things wrapped up and should we be giving Mike Tomlin more love for coach of the year which I think you might have done last week yeah I I, uh, I I do think that he and Kevin Colbert have done a tremendous job there in Pittsburgh I mean you go back to when that thing starts unraveling the end of last season and then you know you're going into the offseason with all the AB you know drama and with Le'Veon Bell now now you know definitely gone and you, you, you know, you absorb a pretty big cap hit on Brown, which limits your ability to do a whole lot else. But, but you, you know, you do come up with some pretty good moves, like picking up the fifth-year option on Bud Dupree, which was by no means a slam dunk. And I think some people, you know, might have said, hey, he, he's a tweener. He's, he'll never be who you drafted him to be. 
you know, use that money somewhere else. They stuck with him. That's paid huge dividends. The Minka Fitzpatrick trade has obviously been massive. Um, you look at them going into a game yesterday with, the, you know, without their starting quarterback, without their Pro Bowl center, without their best wide receiver, without their their best running back, and you spot Cleveland 10 points early and, you know, Duck Hodges is your quarterback, and you find a way to win. You know what? And even making the change to go to Hodges, I applaud Tomlin for that. Um, keeping that team composed in a difficult, you know, un- under difficult circumstances in that grudge, you know, sort of that, that grudge game rematch. And this is a Browns team that just embarrassed Pittsburgh, you know, on national television a few weeks ago. And then to have, you know, all, all the emotional stuff and the hostility and, and and the tempers and they can you know they can they managed and controlled everything they didn't freak out when they got down um early and and look Tomlin is coaching that defense and the defense has been uh the reason that this season's been saved so they, they you know good for them man they 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 are a tough out and they'll continue to be a tough out if you get up on them early they they obviously have limitations um even with Juju and Connor, that that's not a, a fearsome offense, you know. And and but but Hodges runs around and, and buys time and makes a few plays here or there, you know. James Washington flashed a little bit with him, and they needed somebody to emerge downfield. Um, but but the kicker's having a good year, and the defense can really get after you. And and that they know who they are, and that's how they win. And they don't try to pretend they're something they're not. How about the fact that the Buffalo Bills, if they win out? And I realize that's unlikely because they have to play the Ravens and they have to play the Patriots. But they just went to Dallas. <clears throat> if they went out and the Chiefs beat the Patriots this week, in week 14, right. the Bills would be the number one seed in the AFC. It's crazy to conceive of. I mean, and, and do I think it will happen? No. Is it impossible? No. Um, and they might be catching Baltimore at the right time. I mean, Baltimore's just run a gauntlet. Um, played really good teams. They've had their share of travel. That was an absolute war with, with the 49ers. Um, and Buffalo gets them, you know, up in their place, and we'll see if weather's a factor or not. Uh, but, you know, B- Buffalo's coming in off extra rest, and the Ravens are coming in off, you know, one of the more f- physical football games we've seen this season, um, and one in which their quarterback really had a run for tough yards repeatedly. Um so who knows, man? You know, anything's possible. Uh, I still think that, that Buffalo, when they play really good teams, um, will, will probably come up a little bit short. But they're they're an interesting matchup for for New England. I mean, that was a close game the first time. Um, you know, and again, if you get up on New England, they're not coming back. I mean, and, and especially a team like Buffalo that can run the ball a bit and have a couple different guys who can do it. Um, I, I You know, there is no quick strike comeback, uh, you know, possibilities for the New England Patriots, and that's obviously the team, you know, that the Bills are are, are chasing. And to your point, um, you know, there are scenarios that exist where Buffalo's the one seed. So, how many times could we say that in December? Not many. Without it being a hot take, it's not even a hot take. To right. The Bills could win the division. I mean, it's it's probably unlikely. And I still think the Patriots will win it because they've got coaching and they've got, you know, I mean, they got Tom Brady who is probably not washed up. Right. Right? 
He's definitely not. No, he just he he at age forty two needs more around him than what's there. I mean, yeah. See, that was I think that's sort of like the nuance that's being missed on Twitter and social media. I mean, every, you know, everything this is nuance on. But like, the thing with Brady is that he is still good enough to win at his age and play well. He's never. He's just not good enough to do like to take two thousand. It's, it's like in two thousand six, he had Rache Caldwell, right? And he, you know, right, Brandon Lloyd, people like that, yeah, yeah. Like he's not elevating everyone around him. I mean, he like it's. I love Jacoby Myers, but he's an undrafted free agent, and he was his right mentor, uh, on uh, like Matt Lacoste. I mean, the the, yeah. the guys that they're trotting out around. Ben Watson, it's yeah. I mean, it, look, retired. It's incredibly limited. I mean it. And even Sanu was a nice pickup, but he's been pretty much banged up ever since the first, the first game he played with him. Um, look, there's two guys he trusts. He trusts Edelman and he trusts James White. It's pretty much a crapshoot, anybody else he's throwing to. Um, he can't trust the offensive line, and they don't have a run game. Uh, so, you know, he, he'll, you know, he did throw that, that early pick, which was out of character. Um, but otherwise... I, I, no, I mean he's he's doing his job. There's just not a whole lot of other people around him who are capable of doing theirs. What what was the game? I mean, I I didn't think that um, Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniel had very good Sunday nights either. Like McDaniel, they were they were throwing deep so much. I mean, they ran the ball really well in that first drive, and then it felt like they got down fourteen three really quickly, and just they're like, well, we got to get it all. They, they panicked like a team. Like the Patriots don't panic, and they did. They panicked. Yeah. Trying to throw deep, it was very bizarre. No, I just think they feel like they had to just catch a, a, a splash play here or there because <clears throat> they were running the ball pretty good. You're right, um, but they haven't been able to run the ball all year, or certainly sustain anything yeah. on the ground. Um, and they also figure that you know, as good as that Patriots defense is, Houston probably wasn't done scoring, and they weren't. And let's be real, the Patriots. We talked about this when. At week eight, and and they're they're looking at the defense, and it's you know, or week nine, and it's historically like it it is off the charts, crazy good, like historically significant. But then you looked at who they were about to face and said, well, look, let's that's not going to like it, it, the next five weeks is going to tell a different tale, you know, like it's just it just is like they're going to have to play Lamar and they're going to have to play, you know, uh, Deshaun and they're going to have to play. Uh, Russell Wilson, right? Don't they have? Don't they still have Seattle? They uh, felt like they played. They had to play Russell Wilson. You know, they got Dak and Wentz, who you know they're not great, but they're better than you know Josh Rosen. You know what I mean? The stuff that they were facing early in the year. Patriots, so they uh, they were going to slip. You know, they were going to slip a little bit. Patriots had the Chiefs at home. At the oh, base. Mahomes is still right. They still have Mahomes this coming week. Yeah. Bills and Dolphins to close out, which I mean, looked like two layups earlier in the year, and they're both at home. Three of the next four of the Patriots games are at they're home. home. Yeah, they're probably gonna, look. They're probably going to end up beating the Chiefs because everybody is going to be on the Chiefs. I mean, everybody. Um, and they're probably going to take care of business, and then they'll win their last three, and you know they'll finish the, you know they'll they'll finish the year, like at, at fourteen and two. And it'll be like the, the worst fourteen and two Patriots team of all time, but they'll win the division. They'll probably like Baltimore will slip up. They'll get the one seed, and then they'll win the Super Bowl. This will all seem very, very stupid. But this is sort of it is interesting that like the sky is falling Patriots moment that happens every year is happening. Yeah. I'm later than normal. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Like usually this is in September and October, 
and we get all hot and bothered about it. Now it's like, I mean, for, you know, for December 1st, for the Patriots to be where they are and look, they're still 10 and 2. They're fine. Um, but it is, it is interesting that it's happening later and that the Bills are, are just one game back and that, you know, the, you know, there's just, like, they're not going to, they're not going to miss the playoffs or anything, but I, I don't know that you necessarily are petrified about going to New England this time of year. Well, I mean, I'll say this, like everybody probably will be on the Chiefs, but if Andy Reid has like one of those amazing, you know, 15 play scripts and they're up yep. 17 to three, that game's over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that game's over. Like I'm just telling you, New England is not coming back from that. Whether you're playing in Foxborough or you're playing on the moon, you're playing, you know, in my basement, they're not like, they're not coming back from they They, I mean, they know it. It's in their DNA. That is not who they are. Um, now, how, if they pick the homes off twice early, you yeah. know what I mean? Then, then they're going to find a way to win that game at home with their defense. But their margins are slimmer. I mean, you can see the front. You can see, like, they know. You see it in their actions. Like, you see it in the embodiment of the quarterback. Like, they, it's, they got to, everything's got to kind of fall in place to be able to make that offense even functional. Well, and, and the other thing too is that we saw them, um, you know, dominate on defense against a bad run of quarterbacks. And it's not that people have put up a ton of points on them, but I mean, like the Browns should have, the Browns had, were in New England and they, they should have put up more and they should have had more than 13. They played sloppy. The Ravens hung 37 on them. The Eagles are not, you know, not that good. That weather was atrocious. Uh, the Cowboys, atrocious weather. So like the two teams they've played in prime time over the last four or five weeks where the weather was good and they had to face good quarterbacks. I mean, the Texans hung 28 on them. The Ravens hung 37 on them. There are ways you can beat this defense, especially if you have multiple weapons in the passing game. You know? So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you can run on them. Nobody ran on them the first 10 weeks because they, they couldn't because, you know what I mean, the, the, the games were – Yeah. the other were, team was chasing the game. There was no volume in, in runs against them. Once, once you, you – you know, there's, you come at them with volume and you come at them with multiplicity in the run game. It, it is not an airtight defense. Like it's it's not an airtight. Um, yeah. I I would actually rushing say defense for the first time in like five years. If you do the, would you take the Patriots to the field? It's a you wouldn't do the Patriots. A you would take yeah. The you would take, yeah. You would say who would you? Or if I give you right now, you have the Ravens or the field in the AFC. Who would you take? I, I I'd probably take the Ravens. Wow. See, I think I think the answer for me is always field, but I understand why you would want the Ravens. I mean, they look like by far by far and away the best team. And like when you look at the weaknesses of all these other you know teams, like the Bills give up run run yards. Chiefs don't have a great defense, but it's playing better. Um, you know, the Texans, uh, you know, Deshaun and and DeAndre Hopkins have to be cooking for it to work. The Titans are a little, eh, we don't know what they are yet. The Steelers don't have an offense. The Patriots. Don't have an. I mean, the, yeah, the Ravens are by far and away the best team in football. Yeah, I mean, the, the, probably. I don't know. I mean, it might be the Saints. It might even be the Seahawks. I don't know that I'll say far and away the best team in football, but I think they're the best team in the AFC. You know, I mean, I think the gauntlet in the NFC. The NFC, I'm more inclined to take the field because there's, you know what I mean. I think there's three or four teams that, on their day, could beat anybody in the league. You know, in the AFC, I think it's more like. Too. Yeah. Um, all, right. So, all right. Worst losses. This is what I'm writing for CBSSports.com. 
because I think it was a um, I think it was a Sunday where like, man, you know, there were so many opportunities. Not even you know, there's there, there's different kinds of losses. Like the Patriots' loss was really bad because they went on the road, they lost to a guy that Bill Belichick's owned and Bill O'Brien for years. Um, but they know. still control their own destiny for exactly. if not a one seed, at least a two. Yeah, exactly. Like the Patriots to me is like a on a scale, you know, I it's not even a top five loss from Sunday because I think right. the Eagle. Right. So if you're if you're looking at losses, and let's the, here here are the teams I would the teams I would throw out there and feel free to nominate somebody else. But I think the Browns lost to the Colts. The Browns lost. To the Colts. What's that? The, yeah, I mean the Browns, the Colts, the Eagles, and the Panthers jump out at me. Those would be the four. Yeah, I would throw those off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, which all right, so which one of those four do you think is the worst loss? <clears throat> I mean, I think it's the Eagles. Mm, I would agree. And not just because listening to us and producing. That, uh, you're sitting there. You saw what happened on Thanksgiving. You know the Cowboys are absolutely reeling. Um, it's a new drama with them every day. You don't need to go out and curb stomp the Dolphins. I mean, it wouldn't have hurt if you did. But but you need to find like you need to win that football game, um, and when you're up early and you know there was a point in that game where you're thinking they go up seventeen nothing here it could you know what I mean they're they're gonna be able to pull their starters in the second half, and to go from that to like tr- having to try to concoct you know a crazy comeback while Fitzmagic and whoever the hell number forty two of the Dolphins is tear you up systematically like. All I know is they call him the intern, apparently, number 42, and they call him the intern because he looks like an intern. Um, but, like, that happened. You know what I mean? And, and the special teams play, and it's like, you know, and I've been on Carson lately, but you put up 27 on Miami. That should be enough. 31. You know? 31. Or 30, right, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, because they did score late. Um, you know, you can't be giving up. Whatever. What was the 34 or what did Miami finish with? Seven. 37? Yeah. Come on. And the worst part was, as Debo pointed out, to, and Debo was down there, um, so tough for an Eagles fan to be in that spot, is like the, the Eagles are up 28-14 in the third quarter. I mean, you you can't – like they're up 28-14 with, you know, 11, you know, 12 minutes left in the third quarter. That game should be over. I mean, the Dolphins are – the. The Dolphins are a two-win football team, and yeah, they're at home. They're playing tough, and but you can't lose a double-digit well, lead. Like, how about when this is like when when Devontae Parker is catching every ball? Like, maybe double him. Yeah. Like, who the hell else do they have? You know what I mean? Like, what you're just gonna let him keep throwing balls up to Devontae Parker? Yeah, I'm 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 with you 100. percent I don't I don't I think I think that's probably the worst loss. I do think that. Um, the, we didn't mention the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars and Panthers. They were, they already stunk though. The Jaguars were already cooked. But the Panthers already stunk. But like, I feel like the Jaguars loss and the Panthers loss probably. If the Panthers get back to 500. You, you know what I mean? And you like anything. You're still, you're still in the hunt. Yeah. The Jags are not going anywhere. Well, is there, I, I, I don't mean for like making the playoffs. I mean for like saving jobs. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I think the die was probably cast there already. But um, did you catch any of the? Sh- they, there were some classic shots of when it got to be twenty-two nothing of Tom Coughlin and Tony Khan in the booth. I mean, and Coughlin is like just gesticulating like a madman, and 
Like you can tell if he's trying to explain what's going on or excuse making excuses or what's going on. But he's talking and his hands are all over the place. And like Tony Khan can barely turn his head to like look at him. Like it's just like Well it that's I mean that's, you could you could have cut the tension with a chainsaw. Oh boy. Well and that's tough too because Tony is you know, hey, like, Tony's awesome. I love Tony, but like it's going to be Shad who makes the call, right? And but Tony spends a lot of time with Tom Coughlin. So yeah, he's up there in the booth with him. But it was just like, right? So it's like, I, I mean, knows what's happening, and Tom's like, it's trying like, to, like falls with three straight turnovers, and they, it turns directly into twenty-two points, and yeah. the game's over, and we're four and eight, and the season's over, and you're looking at the carnage, and it's like we traded our best player, like. Yeah, you eventually had to do it, but like you played a part in that, and you gave this big Foles fifty million dollars when nobody else was trying to, um, and he's not even the best quarterback on your team. Like, and then and, and you benched and you benched the kid. And I'm on record; I was the one guy saying through this whole thing, they are complete fools if they don't ride Gardner Minshew for all he's worth, and 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 put him in every position to continue building up, him up as a guy who is going to make no money as their quarterback for the next three years. But, you know, they got instead a they shelved him. They got a $22.1 million, million cap hit next year at the, at, at, on Nick Foles. I mean, like, what? what is it? And the Blake Bortles contract? Like, what like what, what on earth? And it's like you drafted yeah. to Deshaun Watson. I mean, it's there's, it's, it, there's no way. That, like, it's going to be a total house cleaning in Jacksonville, right? It's got to be. It's it's got to be. Um, um, so yeah, that's a that's a tough loss for them. But like th- those guys were already, I think, cooked. But to lose that way, yeah, it doesn't doesn't help. Um, what about uh, the Panthers? We I don't want to talk too long. That, that's bad. I mean, come on, man. That, that that the head coach coaches the defense. Bill Callahan will tell you every week what his game plan is. I only want to run the football. All I really care about is running the football. You know, we're going to run the football. We probably didn't run the football enough last week. We're going to run it even more this week. And it's Haskins on the road, and you let them run for 250 on you. Come on now. At home, come on. Dude, they were up 14 nothing. That was another one where you're thinking, okay, I don't even need to watch that game in the second half because it's going to be over by halftime. And, and to let Washington stick around and then let them push you around the entire second half. Woo-wee. They they ran for over eight yards per carry. Despite yeah, the, two dudes, they got torn up by Geis and by Peterson. Yeah, but like, but neither of them ran. It's not like they ran like thirty times each. They ran the ball right. seven, like twenty-seven times, and Carolina just could not stop the run. I think uh, Carolina and Jacksonville, and it's interesting because what would it be twenty years removed from those teams? Like, start, oh yeah, you know, it's like they're both going to be. Total resets. It's just sort of, yeah. Yeah, I just, for Carolina to have some of the talent they have on the defensive side of the ball, and for that game, that game to be your season, um, that, yeah, you got to be better than that. That, that I mean, I don't know how. I, they're, they're, they have to make changes. I, I mean, I, I don't see, I mean, that owner didn't spend $2.3 billion to watch this for two years to then just say, I'm going to keep riding it out. Like, that's not who he is. Um, and and I can't imagine they don't make big changes. Yeah, I, I would. I, we we're we're seeing eye to eye on that one. Um, when we uh, see who else had a bad. Oh, the, uh, we mentioned the Browns. The Browns. 
lost. Uh, is the Giants? Yeah, I mean, are the Brad, what, I mean, the, the shirt thing has got not going to help Freddie Kitchens. I know that's like stupid. No, no, it's, it's it, it, it. You know what though? It's it's just another unforced error. Yeah. It's so unnecessary. It's so uncoach like. And I'm not. I, I often rail against you know the sort of groupthink of NFL coaching and how so many of these guys are paranoid and scared of their own shadows and afraid to break from the mold and. You know what I mean? So corporate and buttoned up. So I'm not going to rail on Freddie for that, you know, and, and for his overall sort of demeanor and him being himself. But there's a time and place for everything. And the time and place for that shirt <laughs> was not, you know, 48 hours before that game, you know, out and about showing it off. Like, you want to pull a Matt Patricia and wear that, you know what I mean, on a plane or off a plane when you're going to a Super Bowl or coming from a Super Bowl? Godspeed. You don't wear it before the game. You, you don't. I mean, it's just it's. What are you gaining? You know, it's ridiculous. And then to sit there and defend it after the game and say, "Well, you know, my kids wanted me to." Dude, there's a lot of stupid shit my kids want me to do. You know what I mean? Like, I, I Rocco Mateo will, will try to get me to do like you know like yeah. No, you got to be the adult in the room, dude. You know what I mean? You got to say, "Hey, guys, like, I this is why I, I don't. You know, this is why." it might not be a good idea for me to do that. You know what was, I mean? Like was, even listen to coach Cower talking about it. And we were talking a lot about it offset. Like that's a teaching moment. You know what I mean? For your team and for your, your, you know what I mean? For your daughters or whoever, like you, you could tell them why it's not a good idea. And then you could tell your team, you know what I mean? As part of your dress to them, like hey, you could hold that shirt up or you could wear it to the meeting. You know what I mean? But then say, Hey, I, but I didn't wear it Friday night because you know what? If I did, it would have turned into a thing. And guess what? It turned into a thing. And in the Steelers' locker room, it was a really big thing. And is it a determining factor one way or the other? Absolutely not. But there's what are you gaining from that? Street cred? You know what I mean? Like, that's where your head's at 48 hours before this game? Yeah. It's, it's, to me, it's totally ridiculous. Like, it's just, after all they've had, all the drama, and now they got a chance to save their season, and that's where your head's at Friday night? I, I Good luck with that crap, man. I, I just, you know what I mean? Like, stop browning it up all the time. Like, what, what, what is in the water in that building? It's just ridiculous. It's, it's the, it is the coach equivalent of like wearing Joker cleats and like being like told you can't. I mean, like, I know it's not on field, but it's like, but, and by the way, Brian Wilson had a great point on Sunday Night's Recap podcast. Do you know what movie Freddie Kitchens went to? I have no idea. Mr. Rogers. You know where Mr. Rogers? Oh, was? oh, right, right, and it's filmed in, yeah, and it's Mr. Rogers from Pittsburgh, yeah. Born in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. So good job by you, Freddie. Way to way to think of. I mean, look, I I get it. In, but zip up the jacket, you know, or like or like you said, wear it wear it after the game. Show up in your press conference after the game, and then be like, we finished it. I mean, it's just the whole the whole thing is the whole thing is idiotic. Um, Hmm. Did we miss any other bad losses? Well, and, and their offensive line got exposed. You know what I mean? The one area they didn't address completely undermined them. Like at the end of the day, the offensive line had more, whole lot more to do with that loss than Freddie's t-shirt. But there's just, there's just no what's to be gained from wearing the shirt. And I, I just, it's not. I mean, that's not leadership. You know what I mean? It's just not. And at the end of the day, your coach should be your, your. You know what I mean? Your your best leader. I, I just can't. When will they stop? Like, when will this stop in Cleveland? I just, you know, I, honestly, like, I mean, I swear to, like, I. when does it stop? Does it ever stop? 
I have, I have no, I mean, look, they would be six and six. The Steelers would also be six and six. And they had a 10 point lead over the Steelers too in this game, by the way. They'd both be six and six. The Titans would be the sixth seed right now, but Oakland, Indy, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh would all be six and six, one game back. And if you're the Browns and you know that the Titans have to play the Texans. Well, and they would have swept this, that would have been a sweep over Pittsburgh. So it would have, they, they, they'd essentially have the lead over them. Yeah, and you'd have two games with Cincinnati, also Arizona, and one game against Baltimore left, where it's like, if you win three of those four games, you're going to get to nine and seven. And you should win three of those four games. If you sweep, you're at ten. I mean, hell, you win ten games, and you got an incredible year, Freddie Kitchens. You win nine games, and you've at least got a, you know, a backdoor shot at the playoffs. And if you make the playoffs, people are going to forget all about all the early season crap. And then to let, yeah, to let it all happen and have that t-shirt be symbolic is just, is just brutal. Um, the Jets, I think, qualify as a bad loss, too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um. First team in NFL history to lose multiple to, – to lose more than one game to a team that was 0-7 or worse in the same season. Yeah. Well, and I got news for you. Uh, Miami's not going to be easy for them next week, either. The Jets might finish with – they have Miami, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Buffalo. They might lose out. But there's nothing to see there. I mean, the owner said so. So, I mean, you know, just don't even don't even bring up any of those stats or, or reality because, you know, Chris, Christopher Johnson already said, like, there's nothing to see there, man. There's no – there's no uh, – nobody's on the hot seat, right? Hot seats don't exist apparently in New York. Yeah, right. They invented them. Um, yeah, that, that team still uh, – I don't know, man. They're just – it's very, very hard to figure. Um, Andy Dalton coming back shouldn't have really made a difference. You know what I mean? And, and it really didn't. I mean, the Jets just couldn't. Jets couldn't score. Six points. You scored six points against the worst defense in football. The worst, I mean, and, and worse across the board. Like, worse at everything. And the best Carlos Dunlap all of a sudden was unblockable. I mean, I... Uh, they, ran, they ran Le'Veon Bell over and over and over into the middle of the offensive line. Or the middle of the offensive line, like the, that's the one place where the Bengals have any talent on defense. All you have to do is run him outside and get him in space, and you win that game. It's it's it's, it's unbelievable. That yeah, that, I mean, I don't know why you just didn't. Throw, why didn't why didn't he have like twenty targets? Who cares? Just win the game. Yeah, I I don't know either. I mean, like you you can't you can't do that. Like that's like everybody. Know, I'm looking at his. Is this, I think this is his drive. Yeah, this is his chart for Week 13. He didn't have a single carry like outside the tackle box. Like you're not going to run some kind of stretch option here. Or like not option. Some kind. Yeah, of, why would you get him in the space? I, hey man, I don't know. I don't know, man. That's crazy. God, that's bad. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. They've so they've got. I mean, Miami. Obviously, you get swept by Miami. People are going to start asking questions, and then they get Baltimore right in Baltimore on a short week. Yep. On a Thursday night. Le'Veon had five catches for 59 yards, and every single one. Yeah, I don't know why he wasn't. Like I said, my, I mean, my game plan would have just, I mean, knowing nothing else, I would have been like, yeah, we're throwing the ball, like, to running backs at least 15 times. Yeah, that's – and he skipped Thanksgiving to, to, to come up with that game plan. So good for you guys. All right. Um, anything else you want to touch on? Did we miss anything? Uh, I don't think so. I mean – Best win? Did you say you wanted to say best wins? I don't know. Best uh, best win, yeah. Who's your best win? I guess that I have like I would say Baltimore. Oh uh, yeah, ba- yeah, but ba- yeah, I can almost say Tennessee too. 
Yeah. That, okay. uh, that, yeah. Point. Maybe that's a bad loss for the Colts. Not no, the- I think that's a good win. I mean, Tennessee came and took that game. I mean, Tennessee did nothing in the first half, and the Colts had five sacks and seemed like 20 quarterback pressures. And Tennessee adjusted. They didn't go crazy falling from behind. They still stuck with the run game. Uh, they turned Brissett over. They blocked him. Blocked a field goal for a touchdown. And then Tannehill threw an absolute dagger touchdown that, to put the game away. I mean, Kill dagger. Yeah. Comes out of there with 130-something QB rating again. Um, I think the Titans are – I mean, their schedule is brutal. I mean, they're at Oakland, right? They still have two left with the Texans, and then I think they also go to New Orleans. But I don't know, man. I think the kind of the way they play physically, I I think they're a tough matchup for the Texans. Oh, I, I agree. I, I think they're I think I, the Titans are a pretty good team. The one thing I didn't like is what again I don't know what was going on with the Titans' offensive line. I mean, the first half they were just every time I looked, you know, Luan was on his backside. Um, so they got you know they're gonna have to ratchet some things up there. But I, I, I and I look, I mean, I don't buy their receivers. But they make just enough plays. Like I don't know, I, I they're they're kind of they're kind of tricky to me. Like they're a little sneaky. Like they like that's a team that like I don't know, man. Like I, I could see them being a problem for even New England. Like I could see Derrick Henry running twenty times for two hundred and twenty yards in the first half, and them being up by two scores, and the game's over. I'm I'm with you hundred percent. I mean, look, Derrick Henry. Is playing his out of his mind right now. He's running the ball. I mean, his last three games, he has uh, he has uh, 496 rushing yards. I mean, that's yeah. I I think they 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 might bite somebody, you know, or the Chiefs. You know what I mean? Could they? I I mean, hell, Mariota won a playoff game there not that long ago, right? Mm -hmm. When they still they fired Malarkey anyway. Yeah. they're 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 the team. The thing with the Titans is if they get up on you, they're running downhill on you, and it's over. Yeah, I mean, and I like what Tannehill's doing. He's just playing point guard back there. He's spreading it around. He doesn't have a whole lot to play with, but you know he gets everybody involved. Um, I mean, even in the first half when it wasn't going great, I think in the in the first quarter he was like eight and nine with passes to seven different guys. Like he's you know he's made, he's doing the most with what he's got. Um, he did turn it over because he was he was. Sacked a bunch, but you know he didn't. Does he's not throwing picks? Um, they're a sneaky little team, man. I mean, if if they get in, if they get in, they will have run a gauntlet to get in. Um, yeah, like if they were the second wild card and they went, you know, to Arrowhead or say New England drops to the three, that would not. I, I that would be an interesting game. Yep. He uh, Derrick Henry, by the way, last sixteen games, three hundred nineteen carries. 1,725 rushing yards, 18 touchdowns, 5.4 yards per carry. Dating back, obviously, to, uh, to that run last year. Remember, I mean, excuse me, I mean, he got, he got strong at the end of last year when they were were closing out and he's doing it now. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's get out of here. Good stuff as always, GLC. We will, uh, talk to you next week. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Happy holidays and all that. And, um, likewise, likewise. The NFL today. Noon on CBS. Tune into that, and uh, of course, follow GLC at on Twitter at Jason Lockenfor. Watch him with CBS at Sports HQ. Thanks, buddy. Have a great week, dude. Thank you.